You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast raising the bar at workplaces everywhere. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective are their own and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James. And welcome, everyone, to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're talking with Garen Staglin, who is the chairman and founder of One Mind and Healthy Brains Global Initiative. Garen is joining us to share his insights, his personal experience, and thoughts on best practices for mental health in the workplace. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Workplace Perspective has a new website. Visit us at www.workplaceperspective.com. Check out our new look, including our featured guests and archive sections. Share us with your friends and colleagues to help us continue to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Garen Staglin. Yes, uh, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. Great to be here, Teresa. I love it. Garen, before we get started, uh, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about you and what you do? All right. You want me to do that? I'm happy to do that. Uh, so I am, uh, I, uh, I wouldn't call myself a serial entrepreneur, but I've been involved in starting businesses, growing businesses, and uh, and uh, and leading uh, since about the early 1970s. I'm a graduate of uh, UCLA and Stanford Business School, uh, technology person, and have worked in uh, the transaction processing space, I would say, in financial services and insurance for a long time. Um, I sit on a couple of boards. I'm chairman of EXL Services, a 35,000-person company in data analytics and transformation. I'm on the board of Silicon Valley Bank, and I have the great privilege of leading the OneMind and HBGI organizations whose overall vision is healthy brains for all. Well, that's I've been married for 50-plus years and have two children and two grandchildren, which are joys in, in my life. I love it. That's awesome. Well, as you know, this is our second show uh, in a series we're doing about addressing and, of course, trying to shine a light on mental health issues in the workplace. We talked in an earlier episode to two wonderful researchers at McKinsey and Company to get the research perspective. But I'm equally excited to hear about your perspective, your frontline views um, as someone who has for some time now been advocating for more of a gold standard for uh, workplace mental health and well-being. So let's jump right in. Why? Tell us from your perspective, why is this uh, such an important topic uh, and what can people do to, to talk about it, to sort of bring it out into the open? Sure. We're going to talk a little bit later about stigma, but Give us your overall view. Yeah, well, look, I think and I know you had the wonderful team at McKinsey on earlier. We've worked closely with Kana and Erica in the past, but just to not bore you with statistics. But look, mental health disorders, it's the leading cause of disability worldwide. Roughly one in five of us here in America um, 
uh, suffer from some form of illness. But I, I like to think about it and make this normal for all of us to think about. Uh, let's change the word from mental illness to brain health and understand that we're all on the spectrum of brain health. And if anything, this pandemic, if there's anything good about it, I think it's highlighted the fact that we're all on a diminished place on that spectrum right now. We're suffering from more levels of anxiety. Uh, we, When someone sneezes, we are much more concerned about it around us. Um, so it's brought to the forefront this. Um, it is six, 70% of employees just recently reported it was safer to remain silent about their workplace stress. Uh, many employees are afraid to disclose it. So employers must not take the ostrich approach to this problem. The only way we're going to address it is through an organized effort, a global coalition, which we've formed called One Mind at Work, where leaders are leading on this issue uh, and understanding its critical importance to uh, both the productivity of their workforce, the achievement of their vision and strategy. Um, and it is basically a sort of this hidden enabler now of, of allowing people to thrive regardless of their condition. So I can give you more data, but I think I've made the point. You've definitely made the point. You definitely made the point. Yeah. I just I, I go back and forth on this. And and we talked a little bit about uh, in our episode with Kana and Erica about trust being an issue, emotional trust of your employer um, and the willingness to expose yourself in that way that you have an issue or someone you love has an issue. I, I really do wonder about this ability. And I have such hope for the future. Um, and I really think that, you know, the incoming generation is going to take us a long way, leaps and strides um, in this area, because I think they're going to be more willing to open up in in yes. leadership positions, because I think right now that the, the standard thought and tell me if I'm wrong, the standard seems to be there's a fear in leadership to show weakness of any kind to anybody. Yeah. Sure, sure. Vulnerability is not the voca in the vocabulary of a CEO, right? You're right. not supposed to be, you're supposed to be invincible. Uh, right. but or in a litigator, or, you know, I think about these sure. A-type yeah. personalities, you know, you don't want your yeah. client to know, it, you know. Right. But I, you know, for our team at EXL, I actually just did a global podcast and talked about that word vulnerability and why, uh, if you really think about it, Teresa, everybody has somebody on this brain health spectrum that I referred to. If you think about the early illnesses of autism or reading or eating disorders, if you think about anxiety, depression, uh, if you move on to my son's illness, I'll tell you more about that, of schizophrenia and bipolar, and now these late life illnesses, Alzheimer's, Parkinson. Think about friends, family neighbors, work colleagues, or personal issues, everybody has somebody. So including the leaders of organizations, and if they can, and we encourage them and actually work with them to do exactly this, talk about their own personal condition, the spectrum they're on and where others are around them, it normalizes the conversation, then allows everyone to feel okay, to not be okay, or to talk about their loved ones or friends or family in a way that creates an open dialogue. 
I, w- I will tell you that in the data that we have as we do surveys, uh, we have now 130 uh, employers around the world covering uh, more than 8 million employees under a charter, which we're going to talk more about. There is very, there still is a reluctance for people to go to the HR department. They would prefer to talk to peers or frontline supervisors unless they know that leaders have said personally and in a very consistent way that it's okay not to be okay and demonstrate the empathy that's required to deal with these issues. This is not an issue that authoritarian approaches work. You don't mandate that everyone's going to not have these problems and will come to work regardless. It just doesn't work that way. But if those combinations are there, we see incredible changes. One of the ways you can measure that change is the participation in employee assistance programs. Most companies have one. Too many leaders think that, okay, I got this covered because I have a program. But if you look at the percentage of people who actually utilize those resources uh, that are eligible, it's less than 5% of those that are eligible will use it because they're afraid that using it is some going to somehow diminish their feelings as a worthy partner, participant, teammate. Those companies that are involved with us see dramatic increases in those programs combined with other uh, resources that we make available, including frontline supervisor training and other activities that allow a whole range of ways in which people can be comfortable in talking about it and then know what resources are and do something about it. You make a great point. I read somewhere uh, you made the comment about, I'm probably not going to quote you correctly, so I'll just paraphrase it how I understood it. Is basically there needs to be this realization that mental health issues are not character. It's not a commentary on your character. It's um, chemicals, not character. Right. Chemicals, not character. Yes. Right. Yeah. No one's done anything wrong. And I, you know, you've, you've used this word stigma. And I guess we'll talk more about it after the break. But it generally comes from the fact that people, it's one of two things that they, as because they have a friend or family member, they have some shame or blame. They feel like they haven't done enough. They should have done more. I wasn't as supportive as I could have been. Or two, they feel like we can't do anything about it. This is the most complex organ of the body. It is, we've got trillions of synapses. Uh, there's complex circuitry tissues involved. And unlike cancer, where you can take a tumor out, examine it, and then develop cellular therapies for these individual tumors, this brain is uh, its an incredibly complicated organ, but the science has never been better. We are unlocking the mysteries of the brain. So both those myths are wrong. Um, and the best way to deal with this is to get the available treatments we have and be open about it. And for God's sakes, don't hide it and don't self-medicate with drugs, alcohol, or just feeling like you're somehow marginalized because your depression doesn't allow you to function or, or sometimes even get out of bed in the morning. No shame, no blame, nobody's done anything wrong. Let's deal with it, talk about it openly. I love it. Great. All right, we're going to take a quick break on that because I can't think of anything to say after that. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, uh, we're going to hear a little more about how personal this is for Garen. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
take a step toward bringing our country and community together. Start a meaningful conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us. Like us. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us, and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking with Garen Staglin, chairman and founder of One Mind and Healthy Brains Global Initiative about best practices, his thoughts and personal experiences on mental health in the workplace. Garen, I know this uh, this issue is very personal to you, and I would love it if you would share that story uh, with me and our listeners. Certainly. Yes, I'm very happy to tell you that I am the proud father of Brandon Staglin, my son, who lives successfully with a lived experience with schizophrenia. This goes back to 1990, when as one of those, well, every kid's uh, is a superstar in the minds of their parents, but Brandon and ours was certainly that, um, you know, like almost 1600 on his SATs accepted everywhere. Uh, but between his freshman and sophomore year at Dartmouth, he had, uh, a psychotic break, uh, which means just the way he described it. He thought that someone had removed half his brain and he didn't want somebody else putting it back. There was hallucinations. There was many things, but, in 1990, uh, as bad as it is today, in order to get an accurate diagnosis, it, you might imagine it was even worse. But we were able to get that diagnosis, get him on a system of care. He went back to school after only uh, six months off and uh, graduated on time with honors. And it was at that point, Teresa, that Sherry and I, my wife, decided that we had two choices. We could run away from the problem, which in too many families do because for all the reasons we talked about before or run towards it. And for the last 27 years, we've been running towards it with the formation of One Mind and uh, the Healthy Brains Global Initiative. We have a board that consists of over 14 members, all of whom have a family experience or a loved one, much like my comment about everybody has somebody and we're working passionately and persistently, because it's personal, those three P's, I think, are the, the things I want you to take away, to really work, to accelerate science, to translate that science into services that people can use, and to impact society, of which this one-minded work effort is a key element of. So that's my personal story, but I think if everyone listening reflects on this, they've probably got a different version but a relevant version to that same story. I would think, would you mind sharing with us? We know how you feel about it now and what you've learned and all that, but can you share with us, if you recall, what were the fears that went through your mind that when all of this happened and you had to start dealing with the, with the aftermath of it and, can you sure. share that with us? Yeah, no, look, you're, you, it's devastating because you, um, you don't, first of all, you don't know what it is, right? So why is he acting this way? What can I do about it? All parents want a silver bullet, right? Let's find mm-hmm. diagnosis, find the right pill. They'll take the pill and everything will be normal. That doesn't happen with these illnesses. These are chronic conditions, but with the right medications, meditation, diet, exercise, 
Brandon is the perfect example. His lived experience is incredibly successful, but he wasn't there at the beginning. You, as a parent, you also end up starting right away to start blaming yourself. What did I do wrong? We made him, and we didn't make him, but all his teachers said he's so bright he has to skip the seventh grade. So he skipped a grade. Well, that in the adolescence, that just added more tension and stress. He's the smallest kid in the class, but the brightest kid in the class, right? So that's another thing that we kind of laid on him. So we're blaming ourselves. Then you start blaming each other. Also bad. So you have to you have to understand that the most important thing, and we've got help ourselves with others, psychiatrists and support, to understand that unconditional love is the most important remedy and treatment for these illnesses for years son or daughter and for brandon's case that was it um and and that it's a that you that great what can happen again brandon was going to be a rocket scientist um design nuclear fusion interstellar space travel uh he actually had a job at space systems around after he graduated and he had a relapse so we had to completely change that vision but he is great now it's a different great. He's great as one of the nation's leading mental health advocates. He's great because his story helps others be empowered. And every parent or every uh, supervisor of an employee can encourage their employees that their dependents or they themselves can be great again, but it may be different one because stress is the enemy here. So we have to have the right balance of that. Uh, there's more parts of that personal experience. I'm happy to share. I've done a guide for parents that uh, that helps articulate a number of these principles. But those are the things I'd want people to remember. Unconditional love, patience, uh, persistence, and um, don't settle for good enough. Great as possible. It just may be a different one. That's great. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, uh, and we talked when we were preparing for the program about reframing this issue. And I think that's the way with a lot of things. But with this, I really see that we really do need to reframe the issue. So talking, pulling ourselves back into the workplace, how can, what are your thoughts on that? How can we reframe both from an employer and an employee perspective, if you can address those? I gave you a lot of that data. The other data I didn't give you is when uh, is it when we started this one mind at work effort five years ago, everybody would tell us it was the right thing to do, but you needed to prove it was good for business. So with Pepsi University and some other work we did with PricewaterhouseCoopers, there's absolute proof that for every dollar you invest, and I'm going to tell you what that means, workplace mental health best practices, you're going to get a three to five dollar return. That return comes in improved productivity, reduced absenteeism and presenteeism, improved customer service, lower workers' comp claims. To your point that you made about Gen Z, Gen Z has a whole different perspective about where they want to work and who they want to work for. And if that environment does not celebrate diversity in all forms, you're not likely to attract those people or retain them. We believe that neurodiversity needs to be established as a fourth pillar alongside of gender, racial, and sexual orientation. So as an employer, to reframe the discussion, start with that, create a safe environment for people to talk about mental health, create awareness by talking about it openly yourself, 
trained leaders on early symptom identification and empathy. Harry didn't come to work last Tuesday, three Tuesdays, Wednesdays ago, he wasn't here. Um, he's told you that, uh, in, and when you ask him, are you okay? He said, oh yeah, I'm fine. Well, you know, that's not the case. There's something else going on. Establish this culture of it's okay not to be okay. Ensure your mental health benefits are in parity with physical health. You'd think that would be obvious, but it is not. And we've done an analysis of 50 major health plans across the country. And are they in parity in terms of procedures as written and applied? All 50 plans failed. Uh, there's much different duration of care, pre-existing condition requirements, pre-clearance requirements. All of the employers who work with us now have a very in a robust program to examine and align those programs because as the employer you can you are responsible for that plan and the parity law puts the liability for not being responsible on you not your plan provider and then address the culture support neurodiversity and ensure your team members feel a sense of purpose and a sense of alignment and no sense of shame in talking about their condition or that of their family member or friends yeah, it's, it's interesting. I always talk to employers about not being afraid to ask those questions. Like you said, when the employee doesn't, hasn't shown up for a couple of days and you know, yeah. something's wrong and they all, well, we don't want to ask because we don't want to open the can. I said, well, the can's going to open itself because they're going to ask for a stress leave or there something's going to come up. So ask the question, what do you need and how can we provide it? Well, it's not and, opening and a can of worms, you know? Yeah, no, you have to know what resources are available and you know, there's this tension, particularly at frontline supervisor level, is that uh, you, if you can empower them to give people a mental health day off and balance that against this constant pressure for quarterly improvements in profit goals, KPIs, OKRs, and all these things, that is a hard trade-off for people to, to make at a, at a frontline. So that training and the empowerment of people to recognize and do this do so by being open yourself, uh, both as a leader at all levels. We've seen great results from companies uh, like uh, McKinsey itself, who's a member of One Mind at Work. Hydric and Struggles, one of the you know uh, executive recruiters who champions and puts in place CEOs. They their organization has these issues. At Carney, one of the great consulting firms, they now recognize that that their workflow and how they ask people to support their clients is actually as much a part of the problem as not having the right benefits. So you have to look at workflow. Uh, and that's another way in which these, uh, you can change and frame the dialogue by recognizing that you're, if you're not part of the solution, you, the employer, you're part of the problem itself. Right. Which is not a good place to be. Yep. Well, Garen, as we start to wrap up the show, can you share with us your sort of thoughts for the future uh, on this topic? Uh, yes, I can. So I, I uh, you know, being in the world of business, measurement is is really a key. So I gave you some of the data, but understanding the state of your workforce and be able to assess the impact on the things you're doing is really important. So we at One Mind at Work in partnership with Columbia University and Ethisphere are building a mental health at work index. This index is gonna be a standardized annual quantitative and qualitative assessment. And it's gonna provide 
uh, essential data to set standards for what good mental health programs looks like in today's workplace. We're going to launch this program next fall. We're very excited about this, and we, we intend to pursue this as a metric, as an ultimate ESG reporting tool, and a way in which we can really make neurodiversity a fourth pillar of DEI reporting for companies. So this is a new direction for us, one that I'm very excited about, and I think will accelerate our progress and virtually make it mandatory that all employers join in uh, this movement in recognizing the importance and value of workplace mental health. Well, I appreciate your hopefulness for the future. Being a hopeful person myself, I like to hear that. Um, I think it sounds wonderful, and I cannot wait to see where the future takes you and your organization. And I hope it really makes the difference. I think it really will. Uh, I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts and your personal experiences with our listeners. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. You can learn more about Garen by visiting onemind.org. You can also connect with him via our website at workplaceperspective.com. I want to also thank our listeners, My Radio Angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspective's team extraordinaire, our engineer and producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Bersaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective. And until next time, keep raising the bar. 